Hello, 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 and welcome back. What's up, everybody? I hope everyone's doing swell. Today is Sunday, October 18th, and we are back again for another weekly update. And a little announcement. All of you who are just sick of listening to just me talk to myself are going to have some relief because I have two wonderful guests lined up. And we're going to talk about some super fascinating, super interesting stuff. I'm stoked for it. So keep an eye out for that. It's coming. And finally, I can have a break from talking straight by myself for 30 minutes. Because honestly, it's hard. Okay. So today we have some great episodes. Great. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Today we have some great topics lined up. And uh, the two topics are COVID-19, we're bringing that back into the conversation. And the second one is the Twitter, Facebook, New York Post, Hunter Biden bombshell story of censorship, because you guys know I love my censorship conversation. I just love it. And then, of course, we end with fun facts, because that is what is keeping me alive in 2020 are facts that are fun. Sick. Okay, so hopping right in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm Belle Solonot, and you're listening to 100% BS. The first story. Finally, finally, we are having a debate over the proper response to COVID-19. We're having a proper debate, and it's proper, finally, because... We're bringing into the conversation the idea that the lockdowns might not be as good of an approach as we thought they would be. I will get into this a little bit further. So basically, this proposal called the Great Barrington Declaration has gained traction because it has support from many well-respected health experts who want to weigh the possible side effects of societal lockdowns in response to the pandemic. So as a quote from the website to explain the general gist of this proposal declaration, essentially it says, as, a, as infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. Um, I, again, as usual, will link all of these websites and things I'm referencing in the YouTube description. So this is, they have their own website called, it's GB Declaration, Great Barrington Declaration. And you can read the whole thing, the whole proposal, essentially, that focus protection, the gist of it is that it, it protects people who are at risk and lets people who are not as at risk, everybody else go back to their normal, normal lives. Um, and of course, there's a lot to discuss within that. And there's a lot of discussion surrounding if herd immunity is going to work, etc. But anyway, so basically, Great Barrington Declaration has gained some traction. And then the WHO, the World Health Organization, also was saying that the lockdowns are no longer a preferred method to handle the virus. This is a quote, okay? It says, uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as the primary means of control of this virus. This is David Nabarro, a WHO special envoy for the co- for COVID-19. Finally, the whole 
believe science, believe, believe science. All that bullshit is finally over. I mean, it's probably not actually over, but this to me signals that that idea of just believe science, believe, just that whole bullshit is over because clearly that was just a way to shut people up essentially, when there was other science that you could look at to suggest a different approach for this goddamn pandemic. So I think this is great. The narrative is finally taking into account that we need to weigh the drawbacks of the lockdowns and the potential damages caused from societal lockdowns against the deaths and obviously other damages directly caused by this virus. So just mainly what I'm commenting on is this big poo-poo concept that is just bullshit where people say believe science okay and I want to break it down because I understand where people are trying to get at when they say it because we live in a world where people are questioning climate change they question vaccine safety and effectiveness people feel like they need to apply because of all of that because people you know like to question a handful of topics whether it's climate change vaccines or you even have out there the extremes like you have holocaust deniers you know we do live in a world where there are extremes of people who don't believe anything that is like a mainstream idea right and of course extremes are bad but so people basically feel like they need to apply this blanket statement of believe science to somehow mean that the people who question any range of the topics that I just gave an example of and countless others, they basically say that because I think they believe that people who question it are just, maybe they're just stupid and they don't look at the science, right? Maybe they don't, maybe it's not that extreme, but obviously saying believe science, you're suggesting that people are just straight up not looking at any other evidence and are just like denying it for no reason. And the other layer to that is for some reason, we've decided that certain topics and concepts have been decided as this case closed situation, which generally is not the case. Like many, many things in life are still open for discussion and we evolve our understanding over time as more information becomes available. And you know, for example, we used to think that pregnant women could smoke and it was okay. And then babies started coming out looking like they lived in a coal mine for their whole entire lives or something like that. And we were just like, okay, maybe women shouldn't fucking inhale toxicity straight into their bodies while they're creating a human, you know? Um, so obviously science evolved, you know, and people thought vapes and jewels were maybe okay. And then new studies came out and people were like, people were like, uh, maybe not, you know? So believe science is kind of just like this empty term. And I feel to me, it just shuts people down to just be like, don't listen to those people. They're just crazy, you know? So just think about our understanding of things like food and drugs and the environment and viruses, health, etc. It all evolves and changes over time as people do more research and people come out with different studies and and also consider that sometimes different studies can can come out with different answers and, and you can look at evidence in certain ways and people analyze things to mean a different outcome right so I, I think that's just a dangerous term to just blanket over people who question for example COVID like I've been literally on this podcast questioning if lockdowns are okay and 
thinking like, hmm, maybe the death rate doesn't constitute that much of a lockdown, but maybe it does, you know, like we're just, it's just about having that open conversation. And so I just think this term, this concept of believe science and using that as like a blanket statement to shut people up is just not cool. And it just silences people who are simply, simply calling things into question, which is something, you know, I like to do that a lot. And I think it's good when people or organizations call things into question. And that's generally okay within reason you know again extremes are bad so we're not talking about extremes where you're just literally ignoring any shred of evidence like that's irresponsible but think about even climate change okay yes there's tons and tons of evidence that suggests climate change is a very real thing a very real threat but I'm sure there's also a plethora of data that you could look at and if it's analyzed in a certain way that could call some ideas that are underneath climate change into question. You know, I think that's okay and we shouldn't shun people or or cancel people, get angry at people for trying to further understand things that have just been generally regarded as, okay, case closed, like we understand this for good now. I don't, I, I think that's like not productive and, and hurtful to these big conversations. So it's just kind of, I'm just giving an example of a way that the extreme of believing science just doesn't really mean anything concrete. Like, I don't, I don't understand really what people mean by that. I know what they're trying to get at, but I just, it's not really helpful. So anyways, for COVID, I think we've been shutting people down who question the mainstream narrative about this virus and, and quite people who are questioning what the proper response is. And we just haven't let them into the conversation. And in some cases, we have literally censored them. I have given examples on past episodes of how YouTube took videos down that they deemed as dangerous because they were presenting a different approach or different set of theories to the virus, the the death rate, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, now finally, I think we're beginning to talk about how we need to weigh the other impacts of societal lockdowns and the other public health mandates that come along with those that are maybe getting out of hand. And they're maybe starting to the the drawbacks are starting to outweigh the benefits of doing it. So to give some examples of the kinds of damages that people are talking about from these lockdowns. So this is a quote um, from Reason Magazine, which again, I'll link in the YouTube description, but an article talking about the Great Barrington Declaration and the WHO's response in their recent statement. So, uh, quote, current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short and long-term public health. The results, to name a few, include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, and deteriorating mental health, the declaration argues. Keeping these measures in place until a vaccine is available will cause irreparable damage with the underprivileged disproportionately harmed. Um, so I think those are good points to make, you know, that people who are already disadvantaged are even more disadvantaged. You know, the poor get poorer, the richer have gotten rich, that the rich have already gotten richer, that kind of thing, where these lockdowns are just are definitely producing really bad side effects and we need to compare them to what the virus is has already done and can potentially keep causing you know deaths infection etc so the other piece of the argument is on herd immunity and if that is going to work or do we truly need a vaccine to develop immunity i'll save those discussions for another time just because it's very much based on 
you know, the science and the studies and who thinks of it this way and that way and what we know, what we don't know, the theories, et cetera. There's a lot in that piece of just the herd immunity. Some medical ex experts think that we can get through COVID-19 by the herd immunity approach. Some people think that that's not reasonable. So I encourage you to read on these subjects. Read the Great Barrington Declaration. It's a good perspective on seeing another approach to solving this pandemic, which in the end, I don't really know if you even solve it. Like eventually we maybe just have to live with it. Lots, lots in that. So the next big thing, huge, 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 huge news story of the past week is that Twitter and Facebook were censoring or limiting the distribution of the Hunter Biden story that involves the exposed emails from the laptop that was supposedly hacked and both Twitter and Facebook, Twitter announced that they were literally not allowing people to link to the article. And if you had already tweeted the article, they removed the tweet. They they blatantly said that they were doing this. And then Facebook also announced that they were limiting the distribution. And both were on the grounds that the evidence was obtained in a suspicious manner and it was hacked. So that's why it's like it wasn't, you know a well-sourced news story. Um, and something to note is that the person from Facebook who announced that they were limiting the distribution, his name is Andy Stone, and he's the P policy communications director at Facebook. And he used to be a Democratic consultant and strategist. This is literally on his LinkedIn. Like you can search Andy Stone on LinkedIn and it says that he worked for the house majority pack. Okay. So without giving too much content on comment on that, just think about that, that someone who previously worked for the democratic party is now a director at Facebook who has a lot of say in what information gets shared and what information doesn't get shared. That's all I'll say on that. But so as of today, Sunday, October 18th, Twitter has also has announced that they are no longer blocking the sharing of the article and are revising their policies on what, quote, hacked material means. But of course, they already crossed the line. And this is an example where no matter what side of the fence you sit on in terms of politics or worldview, etc., this is a very, very dangerous line to cross. And Sagar from the Rising, Sagar from Rising on the Hill, of course, explained it best. Um, again, I always encourage people to check him and Crystal out rising on the hill for information and, and news. But he, the way he explained it is that basically the way that Twitter is treating this news story and how they obtained the evidence for this story was totally unfair and hypocritical to how they've treated other big stories that involve shady evidence. So to back up a bit in case you don't know the full story. So basically, Emails were obtained from Hunter Biden's laptop, and I guess the validity of how they sourced it is under question. Like, it's sketchy. It's probably illegal. And so Twitter decided that they were going to not let people share the story for that reason. That was the main reasoning, the grounds for concern of why they didn't want to share the article. Same thing that Facebook said is that they need people to double check if the way that they obtain the evidence is kosher, I guess. And it's important because it's exposing that 
not all news stories are treated the same. And specifically, they're not treated the same depending on who they are speaking badly about. So think about the way that the Trump tax returns were gathered. Think about whistleblowers like Edward Snowden. Think about FBI documents that are exposed. Any other example, countless examples, when journalists get anonymous sources from important news stories, right? And again, this is something that I was able to really well understand because of Sagar and Jetty's explanation. That basically is he's explaining how it's showing you that the big tech companies are deciding what is getting shared and what is not getting shared depending on who the news story is about. Like this is a partisan issue because of course in the past, endless, endless number of Trump stories that, you know, his tax returns, he said this, he did that, inside source says that he was like this and he did this situation, like countless examples of Trump's smear stories, like whatever you want to call it. They're just, they, there's endless of, of those and it gets shared. It's not censored. It's not called into question that they obtained the evidence in a suspicious way, right? And now you have a news story that obviously looks very bad for obviously Hunter Biden and then obviously Joe Biden, the Democratic candidate for president. So if you're going to block that, but not block other articles, this is sketchy. Like there is clearly some ill motivation here on what news is getting shared. So that's why I bring it up because maybe, um, maybe most people don't know about this. Maybe they don't really care and they don't see why it's a big deal. But I think it's important to further understand how you know, with the example of Andy Stone and him working for the Democratic Party and now working at Facebook, maybe that's a conflict of interest and maybe that's a problem that if if there's a big news story that is going to hurt the Democratic, you know, Joe Biden's chances of winning the election, do they want to block it because they are they really, really, really want the Democrats to win? So things to consider and things to to question, you know, so. Again, the reason this is scary is because it's just showing you that big tech companies can and do take sides and and they unfairly treat which news stories make it out there and which stories are seen as legitimate and which ones are called into question. And that that's not generally I don't think that's a good thing because it's affecting what information people have access to and what information that these trusted companies are saying is valid. So clearly the battle for censorship is in full swing and Twitter and Facebook have openly crossed the line. Like they did not even try to hide it. They just straight up said, we are not allowing people to link to this or we're limiting the distribution of this article. Like it's not even hidden anymore. So it's, this is a clear problem that we are facing and it's important because it again, it, for me, it just again is one of those like it just adds to the pile of reasoning of why you need to look into things on your own, read and watch things in full. Like don't just read the headline that you are not well, inf- you are not well informed if you're only reading the headline and a quick blurb, the quick first paragraph of the article, or you're only watching the first 20 seconds of the video. That is not well informed because they're, cl- first of all, a lot of the time it's just a clickbait thing to get people hooked. It's only two, three minutes in or the full read that is going to tell you all the information. So if someone wants you to believe that Twitter was 
was right for doing that. They might tell you, you know, the evidence was obtained in a sketchy manner. So it's not like a, a good news story that we should be trusting. Like, yes, that is technically correct that the evidence is obtained in a sketchy manner, but that doesn't take into account the other side, right? And like the bigger picture. So you need to read in full and you need to understand that there are other motivations behind the scenes of these big tech companies that are tied to politics. I feel like I'm sounding like a crazy conspiracy theorist, but it's not. Like, this is just straight up how it is. I don't, like, yeah, that's just, that is what is going on. And maybe if you believe that one party is truly better than the other and one has better interests, then maybe you're okay with it. But I think it's hard to justify this kind of blatant blocking of information and 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 censorship of important news stories especially when they have conflicting interests you know when one is clearly in favor of the democratic candidate and one wants to smear the republican candidate okay so important things to consider and yeah so just consider that um i will share the link to the video of Sagar explaining this issue with Twitter. He explains it beautifully. And I'm here to just add some more commentary because I find these topics very fascinating. Um, And I plan to continue talking about them because the battle between censorship and misinformation is real. And it's, it's a really complicated one. It's one that there's valid arguments for both sides. And it also inherently ends up being political because a lot of times Censorship has been this this topic that usually, I guess, Republicans tend to complain more about, and they think that the the news and media is unfairly censoring them more than Democrats get censored, etc. So, but nonetheless, it's an important conversation because we're in the age, we're in a time where big tech companies are exerting a lot of power over information and what you get to consume. So think about that and just believe science, okay? Just believe it. Believe me. No, that's stupid. Don't do that, okay? Do your own freaking research. That's what I'm going to rename this podcast is do your own, do your own thing. Trust no one. Trust no one. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Anyways, Sometimes I just I just really get derailed at the end of this. This is why I need I need a co-host, honestly. I need someone to just be like, Bella, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're saying. Anyways, okay, sorry. God. Okay. So now I have a random fun fact for the week. So this week I learned that cherophobia is an irrational fear of fun or happiness. Are there any rational fears or are all phobias irrational? That's a good question. Could you be rationally? like arachnophobia. I feel like I have good reasoning for being afraid of spiders. Maybe not. Anyways, so cherophobia is an irrational fear of fun or happiness. And after I learned this, I realized I have a new diagnosis for Governor Newsom of California because recently he said that this is this was a new COVID mandate that said you can only have three families at a gathering and there can be no singing. Absolutely no singing is allowed. Okay? Clearly, Governor Newsom has a fucking fear of happiness and is selfish and doesn't want people to enjoy family and singing because he's so afraid of it. 
that is clearly the logical progression that this man has and family and singing are just the two staples of the holiday season so you can't do that you just you can't have fun and sing with people but of course if you're at a protest gathering for massive protests and chanting things that's okay it's totally fine like the covid won't get you that way rona can't find you if you're at a protest doesn't count as long as you're protesting for things that newsom agrees with then you're good Family gatherings for Thanksgiving with singing, not allowed. Rona will freaking get you that way. So yeah, Governor Governor Newsom, if you're listening, please get that checked out. It's okay. People can have fun with their families. I understand there's a pandemic, but people can be people can be safe and wash their hands and you know drink smoothies and be healthy and social distance maybe. But maybe we can allow singing. Maybe that's gonna be okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm the extreme one. So anyways, that's it. That is it. That's all I have for you. I have two guests guests lined up, which is going to be great and super fun. So stay tuned for that. And that's it. We're going to freaking wrap a smack it up. Wrap a freaking slack and rack it, wrap it up. Yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening, for tuning in. As always, really appreciate you guys. Stay freaking woke. Stay woke, guys. And just, just do you. That's all I have to say. Okay, bye. Peace out. See you later.